You're listening to the N2K Space Network. And now a word from our sponsor, SpyCloud, the leader in operationalizing cybercrime analytics. Traditional threat intelligence is a thing of the past. Cyber criminals are stealing vast amounts of credentials, session cookies, and financial data every day, and it's hard to keep up. SpyCloud is the trusted partner businesses turn to to fully understand their darknet exposure risk and neutralize threats before it's too late. SpyCloud alerts your organization as soon as an employee or customer's data appears on the darknet, so you can act faster than bad actors to prevent cyber attacks like ransomware, session hijacking, account takeover, and online fraud. With insights from the industry's largest repository of recaptured data, protect the digital identities and systems most important to your business. Get your free corporate darknet exposure report at spycloud.com slash cyberwire and see what information criminals have in their hands today. That's spycloud.com slash cyberwire. International collaboration. It fosters a different kind of curiosity, perspective, and learning. When two nations can work together in harmony, great things can happen. It's like the combination of peanut butter and jelly, macaroni and cheese, peas and carrots. The worm and the meatball. Maria and Alice. Yes! We have a special relationship. T-minus. Today is October 27th, 2023. I'm Maria Varmazis. I'm Alice Carruth, and this is T Minus. The U.S. signs an agreement to launch from Australia. MDA contracts with SpaceX. AFRL leads the first international crater with Indian startups. And our guest today is Dr. Mindy Howard, talking about her new project, Cosmic Girl Foundation. So stay with us for that chat. On to today's intelligence briefing. Yesterday, we noted an innovation alliance between the U.S. and Australia, and today there's an interesting addendum to that news that we want to note. The United States and Australia have also signed a technology safeguards agreement associated with the U.S. participation in space launches from Australia. And this agreement gives the legal and technical framework for U.S. space launches of satellites or rockets from Australian spaceports, while making sure that sensitive technology is properly handled. Equatorial Launch Australia, or ELA, which owns and operates Australia's leading spaceport, the Arnhem Space Centre, put out a statement shortly after welcoming this news. Chairman and Group CEO of ELA, Michael Jones, said this, We have been engaged in negotiating with U.S. rocket manufacturers for several years now, and we've all been awaiting the TSA completion. Today's events are great news for us and clears the way for us to finalize our contracts with U.S. launchers. 
The agreement with the U.S. will be the most comprehensive and detailed TSA of its kind for any nation, and there has been a lot of effort by key Australian space industry parties and government entities behind the scenes to ensure that we get this right. I think you should have said that in an Australian accent, Maria. It would have made <laughs> much more sense. I'll sound like the dad from Bluey if I try, so I don't really want to do that. <laughs> Love it. And the international collaboration theme will be continuing in the next few stories. Canada's MDA has selected SpaceX to be the launch service provider for the space technology firm's next-generation satellite constellation for Earth observation known as Corus. Corus will initially include C-band and X-band synthetic aperture radar satellites. MDA's Corus constellation is due to launch on SpaceX's Falcon 9 rocket in the fourth quarter of 2025. Telecommunications infrastructure provider IHS Towers has announced a one-year partnership with nonprofit education and research organization, the Limitless Space Institute. The partnership is designed to help broaden access to space education across two of IHS Towers' largest markets. 20 STEM educators from Brazil and Nigeria will be invited to join the 12-month Limitless Global Educator Program and access a carefully curated space education curriculum. They will also be able to attend the Limitless Space Summer Program in Texas for hands-on workshops. More information can be found through the link in our selected reading section of our show notes. Scientists from the Air Force Research Lab, known as AFRL, are leading the first non-domestic cooperative research and development agreement, or CRADA, between the U.S. Space Force and companies located outside the U.S., Two Indian startups, 114AI, an artificial intelligence firm, and Third iTech, India's sole image sensor company, will work in partnership with AFRL's Space Vehicles Directorate. This signing is the US Space Force's first non-domestic crater with any industry partner. The agreement is part of the India-US Defense Acceleration Ecosystem, or Indus-X, a network fostering joint defense technology innovation between the two countries' universities, startups, industry, and think tanks as part of the U.S.-India Initiative on Critical and Emerging Technology, or ISET. The Space Development Agency has won International Telecommunication Union approval to test the transport layer satellites over international waters and the territory of an unnamed allied nation. This comes as the Department of Defense continues to debate with the Federal Aviation Administration over the use of the military data and communications link over U.S. territory. The SDA continues to pursue a temporary frequency assignment from the FAA that would allow it to begin testing with the support of military partners. The ITU approval is for the experimental use of Link 16 signals from the radios being flown on the York Tranche Zero transport satellites. The SDA plans to put some 400 of its transport layer satellites in orbit by the end of 2028, developing and launching new variants or tranches every two years. Russian President Vladimir Putin has reiterated his desire to have Russia's new orbital station in operation by 2027. Speaking to space industry officials in Moscow, Putin said... As the resources of the International Space Station run out, we need not one segment, but the entire station to be brought into service. The head of Roscosmos, Yuri Borisov, was quoted as saying, if we don't start large-scale work on creating a Russian orbital station in 2024, it is quite likely that we will lose our capability because of the time gap. What I mean is ISS will no longer be there and the Russian station won't be ready. 
He also said that Russia's next moon launch might be moved forward to 2026 from 2027 as currently planned. And over 180 university teams from across the world have applied to the 2024 Spaceport America Cup Intercollegiate Rocket Competition. The final selections will be announced next month, and the event is due to be held at Spaceport America from June 17th through the 22nd of next year. For more information, visit soundingrocket.org. That concludes our briefing for today. If you want to learn more about any of the stories we've mentioned, you'll find links to further reading in our show notes. We've included a few extra stories for you to read up on, one on Space Force spending for the coming fiscal year and another on their JTAGS mission, and a final piece from IEEE on artificial intelligence. They're all at space.n2k.com. Hey, T-Minus crew. We've got something a little different for your Saturday listening. As we mentioned earlier this week, tomorrow we have Kathy O'Donnell, leader of Space Solutions Architecture for AWS Aerospace and Satellite, for the first of our mini-series called AWS in Orbit, where we explore the intersection of cloud, space, and AI technologies. Give it a listen when you're on the road or in your downtime at home. And visit space.n2k.com slash AWS for more details. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. Our guest today is Dr. Mindy Howard, founder and CEO of Cosmic Girls Foundation. I asked Mindy to tell us more about the foundation. I'm a commercial astronaut trainer by day job, but I'm also by day job now a director of Cosmic Girls Foundation. It's a foundation to actually help get girls upskilled to space, actually, and feeding the astronaut technical talent pipeline with more capable girls around the world from from all walks of life. So it's really a a charity uh, as well as a program to help get girls upskilled. That's really cool. And I'm going to shift slightly into some, it's going to seem really random to our listeners, but I promise there's a reason I'm asking. What is the connection to the Royal Dutch Mint? Okay. (laughs) Well, it's actually, that's how the, the charity all started. Um, essentially, um, as one of the first uh, commercial astronaut trainers, I was asked a few years ago to train and accompany a group of people to space who were having a competition. And I was going to, um, to train and coach these winners, and it was going to happen this year, but then we had a pandemic. Um, nonetheless, the Dutch media picked up on this story because if I were to have flown this year, I would have been the first Dutch female um, astronaut to go to space. 
And for that reason, in the last few years, there's been a lot of media attention around that. I have two, I have two passports, American as well as uh, Dutch. And so shift to the Royal Dutch Mint, uh, last November, uh, when the Royal Dutch Mint kind of approached me, they said they wanted to make a first Dutch woman space coin. So they're having the first Dutch woman to space. And I, but I felt funny because I hadn't flown yet to space. Uh, and you know, I thought maybe we could actually shift the theme of the coin to say, you know, the Netherlands is one of many countries that doesn't have a female representing them in space. In fact, there are only 12 countries in the world that have had women represent them with only 12% of people going to space being women. So perhaps we could use this coin to kind of get that awareness out um, and try to shift these statistics um, by helping fill the female astronaut talent pipeline with more capable girls. And so, yeah, essentially the, the coin came first and then I started to think about, um, you know, what, how we could use the coin actually to do this and thinking, well, we need to have a charity that, has, that, that does all of these things. And that's how the charity started. I didn't intentionally um, start out to make a charity to do this, but when life hands you, uh, I don't know what the expression is. A <laughs> coin? Hand, a coin, <laughs> exactly. You go and do a charity, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and for our listeners who haven't seen it, I'm just going to describe it really quick. It's the, it's the backside of a, a one-euro coin. And it has women to space with a woman astronaut with like a ponytail coming out of the back. Gravity-defying hair. Gravity-defying hair. It's, it's really, it's, I thought that was really cute. Um, but I, I, just, I just figured I should, we should mention that to start because it is a really interesting origin story. Yes. And people, by the way, can buy these coins all over the world because that's, that's the idea. And uh, yeah, they do support our charity if you buy a coin. Obviously, the, the way it started, the idea is really interesting. So tell me a bit about the, the tagline is Dream, Dare, Do, launching dreams in girls and girls into space. So tell me a bit about what, what you're actually doing. Okay, so we say like the road to becoming an astronaut is very demanding. I mean, I know this from my own background, trying to get to space, um, you know, based on that several times getting very close. Um, and it, I, I think it requires mastering three main skill sets which we refer to as our astronaut building solar system, where we have, you know, getting more girls into STEM, getting uh, key life skills like ingrained within, in girls and then astronaut skills. So these three areas of getting girls really equipped with, with STEM skills, like when I say key life skills, I'm talking about things like grit and resilience and leadership, um, but also the astronaut skills of things uh, like mental preparedness, scuba, being a pilot, um, having high G training, low G training, all of these things kind of help build your muscles around becoming an astronaut. And we thought if we could sort of upskill girls in these areas, more girls will feel like this is the place that they want to be. And, and they're welcome. You know, they, they feel strong enough to be here and they believe that they're actually meant to be here and it's a place for them as well. So what we did is we created a competition just to make things exciting, to, uh, but also to make things uh, global. It's called the Six Girls, Six Continents competition, where girls can send in videos, two videos. I, and I'll, I can't yet say yet what those videos are about, but tune in uh, to our website. You can see more information about that in the coming months. But essentially, the girls will send in the videos. They're gonna, then they're exposed to our worldwide partners who are doing these key life skills as well as uh, the STEM skills and doing also space education. 
So girls can say, like, if I want to beef up my leadership skills, I might need to go and join this partner. They sign up with the partner. All of the girls who sign up as a cosmic girl, they get that training. So everybody is a winner, first of all. But then um, later on, there, there will be a judge from each of the continents who will judge the, the videos that are coming in. And each judge will select a girl from each continent who will then go on to become a finalist to win the astronaut training part of the competition. And six girls and a parent or, or a guardian will be flown to the different astronaut training locations where they will get their training. Um, and then one girl uh, out of those six will become sort of the grand prize winner who will actually win a suborbital space flight. Oh, can you say with who or is that is that a... It's, no, well, I, I have to say, um, I can't say with who because we're kind of in the middle of gotcha. uh, figuring all this stuff out. Um, That's so, so cool, I, though. I can't say it yet, but... Um, Figured yeah. I would ask. <laughs> that's really cool. <laughs> no that's, that's so cool. Uh, I mean, I love that there is such a global emphasis on this because, as you said, uh, I have a T-shirt with all the women who have uh, been the first women to space. It is a short list, which always kind of gets me because it's like, how is it still so short? Um, so, yeah, uh, any sense of like what countries are being represented with this round of girls this year? Or just it's uh, everywhere. Well, we- yeah, no, it's it's meant for girls everywhere, um, and and we don't we we haven't yet got our first applications because that's coming in a couple months. Oh, so gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. I can't say yet, you know, where they're coming from, but I have to say I already have had girls sort of finding me out and hunting me down and, <laughs> and contacting <laughs> me it. from all walks of life, from all over the place, you know. And it's funny because we sent the press release out and. I was curious who this would have reached. And I've gotten some countries from that, that we actually didn't specifically put the press release out in that country just because there's sometimes some cost issues in doing all, to send it to every single country. And still we're managed to get some faraway places like, wow, we didn't even advertise there and we're getting girls already interested. So I cannot wait to see where they're all going to be coming from in, yeah, in a few months' time. That demonstrates there is a great need and a great uh, interest, certainly. I'm looking at the age range on the website. These are girls ages, what, 14 to 19. So these are not like little tiny kids who are just kind of dreaming of it. These are girls that are on their way. They're on their way, yeah. Yeah. And they have big dreams or they want to test their big dream muscles and we want to kind of make it for them like that it's that they are very welcome to test them with us um, and to, to keep going and daring to dream because we want to be there to support them. That's what we're here for. So um, it, is, it is an honor to serve these girls and to try to sort of make it all happen for them. I mean, obviously with your story also, it seems like a personal mission for you as well. Given that you are going to be the first Dutch woman in space, you know, that seems like it's, it's a big deal. Um, that's, I can completely imagine that uh, you know, wanting to sort of help other girls get to where you are going. For sure. I really wish somebody would have done this for me back in the day um, because it just makes such a difference when you have somebody in your camp believing in you, pushing you, saying you're meant to be there versus I think in my situation where I've had to sort of fight every battle. It was always an uphill thing, you know, always kind of feeling like I was not invited into the good old boys network um, that would often sort of get in the way of me doing my own space training business. And, you know, it was clear 
They were on the inside, I was on the outside, and, um, and no one ever really gave me a leg up. And I just thought, I don't want other girls to have to experience this. I know I can't, you know, sort of prevent this, but I would like um, them all to feel as welcome as possible and that they are meant to be there um, and to grow a network for them that, you know, they just go and kick some butt. That would make me very happy. We'll be right back. And now a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash AI. Welcome back. So checking in on the OSIRIS-REx asteroid sample retrieval mission now, that canister of rock and dust from Bennu that landed all wonderfully in the Utah desert recently, well, NASA's very happily letting us know that they've already surpassed their goal of getting 60 grams of material back to Earth, mostly from the outside of the sampler head. That's 70.3 grams they've got, to be precise. What's been interesting is there's still no word about what they've found inside the TAG-SAM or the touch-and-go sample acquisition mechanism, you know, the Bennu sampler jar, for lack of a better term. And there's a reason for it. Quite simply, the lid is stuck. Oh, been there. Oh, yeah. We've all been there. They've tried and tried, and the darn thing won't budge. Two of the 35 fasteners on the TAG-SAM head, literally the lid, won't come off with their current approved tool set. So they've got to find a different way to pry that lid off without contaminating or otherwise messing up the precious samples inside. And they're working on it, says NASA. Over the next few weeks, they're figuring out a safe method and practicing what to do in hopes that we soon will get to see the bulk of what the OSIRIS-REx sample return brought home. I'll be very curious to find out what they end up trying here to loosen the lid. Because I doubt using a tea towel, running the lid under hot water, or smacking the tag salmon frustration against the kitchen countertop are NASA-approved methods. No, but they do work. That's it for T-Miners for October the 27th, 2023. For additional resources from today's report, check out our show notes at space.n2k.com. We'd love to know what you think of this podcast. You can email us at space at n2k.com or submit the survey in the show notes. Your feedback ensures we deliver the information that keeps you a step ahead in the rapidly changing space industry. We're privileged that N2K and podcasts like T-Minus are part of the daily routine of many of the most influential leaders and operators in the public and private sector. 
from the Fortune 500 to many of the world's preeminent intelligence and law enforcement agencies. N2K Strategic Workforce Intelligence optimizes the value of your biggest investment, your people. We make you smarter about your team while making your team smarter. Learn more at n2k.com. This episode was produced by Alice Carruth. Mixing by Elliot Peltzman and Trey Hester, with original music and sound design by Elliot Peltzman. Our executive producer is Brandon Karp. Our chief intelligence officer is Eric Tillman. And I'm Maria Varmazis. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend. Hold up. 